0: Coming up on Word Matters, a supposedly inviolable law of the English language. I'm Emily Brewster, and Word Matters is produced by Merriam-Webster in collaboration with New England Public Media. On each episode, Merriam-Webster editors Amon Shea, Peter Sokolowski, and I explore some aspect of the English language from the dictionary's vantage point. It's been reported that native English speakers naturally order their adjectives in a very particular way, and that deviation from this order makes for strange-sounding English. Is it true? I'll take a look. In his book, The Elements of Eloquence, How to Turn the Perfect English Phrase, Mark Forsyth writes that adjectives in English have to be in a particular order. He writes, actually, they absolutely have to be in this order. Opinion, size, age, shape, color, origin, material, purpose, and then the noun. He says, so you can have a lovely little old rectangular green French silver whittling knife, but if you mess with that order in the slightest, you'll sound like a maniac. (laughs) This ordering is so particular. The idea is that native English speakers don't have to think about this at all. This is one of those rules of English that is an absolute rule, but that we all just absorb by virtue of being steeped in the language from infancy, that native English speakers just automatically understand that this is how our adjectives have to be ordered. I think it's a very interesting rule, but I don't know that I completely buy that it is as absolute as Mr. Forsyth suggests.
1: You know, whenever you hear the word absolute in relation to this language, my hackles go up a little bit when I hear, like, absolute adjectives. I just become obstreperous and contradictory. But I was so confused by the order that you gave that I kind of, my defenses are up already. Can you say what the order of operations is again?
0: The order of operations, yes. This is Mark Forsyth's order. There is also another order that is called the Royal Order of Adjectives that is basically the same. Forsyth's is... Opinion, size, age, shape, color, origin, material, purpose, and then noun. The royal order of adjectives says that a determiner comes first, and determiners are articles, possessives, demonstratives, like the, your, our, these. And then quantity, opinion, size, age, shape, color, origin slash material, and or a qualifier, like, you know, denim skirt or hound dog.
1: Before we go any further, I feel compelled to say that somebody out there should really take a Forsyth character and whoever came up with the royal order of adjectives and write some kind of novel in which these two meet and have like a fight to the death <laughs> over the, the adjective order. That's got to be the basis for some kind of great historical a novel, duel. though Forsyth is probably still around.
0: They're basically in agreement. It's funny to me, though. I, I think that in general, this is true. Certainly his example of a lovely little old rectangular green French silver whittling knife. That sounds like idiomatic English. And I would not say a little lovely old rectangular French green whittling silver knife. I wouldn't say that.
2: This does get to the heart of something, which is that, as you say, grammar is actually something that can be described. He's trying to describe it after the fact. He's saying, this is a habit of language, and I'm going to try to describe it.
0: And that is what grammar truly is from a linguist's perspective, right? Grammar is not the rules that we teach. It is the rules that we simply absorb that are inherent in the language, not rules that we need to be taught.
1: I can think of a circumstance in which you can break the order legitimately, which is suppose you have a sofa and it's old and it's green, the green old sofa, right? Yeah. Suppose you want to differentiate the green old sofa from a different color. The old green sofa? No, the old blue sofa. So you could say either the green old sofa or the old green sofa, depending on the context in which it came up. And I know this is being nitpicky, but whenever somebody starts giving rules about language, (laughs) I feel like getting nitpicky about it.
2: I think emphasis is a big part of this, but word order and emphasis go hand in hand with English syntax. We emphasize things by where we put them in a sentence as well as things like tone and inflection. But certainly, if you want to emphasize one of these, you could put it in a slightly unnatural position.
0: Now, Peter, you have an easier rule.
2: I found myself giving workshops quite frequently to teachers of English abroad, people who teach English to learners of English, people who do not grow up in their countries or in their homes speaking English. And once in a while, this will come up, and I will see these teachers very often, extremely dedicated teachers and beautiful speakers of English, and they will twist themselves into knots to remember just this order. I'll see them looking up at the ceiling and saying, oh, it's, it's opinion in the color. And, and I always think, well, I couldn't remember this. <laughs> you know, this is too complicated. And in these conferences for ESL, as we often call it, English as a Second Language, or TESOL, Teachers of English to Speakers of Other Languages, I would frequently encounter a scholar and researcher and speaker named Keith Foles. And he's a researcher on vocabulary acquisition, really great teacher of teachers and speaker about language. And he would always emphasize that this is easier than it looks, that all we have to do is simply say that whatever you're modifying the noun is will be either another noun or an adjective. And the adjective will be the farthest position from the noun. And the more nouny the modifier is, I love the word nouny, by the way, the closer it will be to the noun. So, for example, if we're modifying the word wallet, which is a noun, and we want to use the words leather and black and new, we very naturally would say in English, the new black leather wallet. And that's because new is a pure adjective in this case. Black, like all colors, is fully both an adjective and a noun. So it's both So it comes in the second position. The word leather is, in fact, not an adjective at all. It is, in this case, an attributive noun. So it is another noun modifying a noun. And so it will always come next to the noun that we're modifying. So a new black leather wallet. You simply wouldn't say in organic English or in in natural speech. You wouldn't say a leather black new wallet. And it's just a funny thing about the way we are wired. It is a fascinating subject to me. I have seen the relief on the part of all these teachers for themselves, but also for their students. Don't think of that 10-word list of things. Just think about noun and what modifies a noun, and adjective. Okay, now let's look at the categories of words. If we want to modify a noun, we can simply look at which words are adjectives and which words are other nouns and organize them that way.
0: You're listening to Word Matters. I'm Emily Brewster. More on adjective order coming up. Word Matters is produced by Merriam-Webster in collaboration with New England Public Media.
1: I'm and Shea. Do you have a question about the origin, history, or meaning of a word? Email us at wordmatters at m I'm
2: Peter Sokolowski. Join me every day for The Word of the Day, a brief look at the history and definition of one word, available at merriam-webster.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more podcasts from New England Public Media, visit the NEPM Podcast Hub at nepm.org. org. <music>
0: We're diving back into the way we order our adjectives. Wondering if there are set phrases or widely known phrases from songs or from literature that challenge these orders. Mm. And I did come up with a few. thought of two where the size came before the opinion. So the opinion being the word that kind of is about the speaker's regard for something. In Bob Dylan's song, Don't Think Twice, walking down that long, lonesome road, babe. Yeah. And size comes before opinion. Yeah. The long road comes before lonesome. It's not a lonesome long road. It's a long, lonesome road. Also in a Grateful Dead song, what a long, strange trip it's been. It's long and then strange. It is not a strange, long trip. Both of those contradict both the royal order of adjectives and Mark Forsyth's order of adjectives, which I think is very interesting. Yeah,
2: and long and strange. To me, those two are really interchangeable. I almost wonder if there's not a little exception for sort of monosyllabic modifiers. In this case, you're kind of slightly emphasizing one or the other, but they both sound natural to me.
0: Oh, my God. Peter, if you're going to introduce the idea that you have to also know how many syllables (laughs) the adjective is before you can determine where it goes in this order, that's going to get you a special circle of hell.
2: Yes, indeed. But the lonesome, you can sort of see. But long and strange, to me, those could go either way. It's fascinating.
0: It is, right? And then there's also, here's a quote from Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. And the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain... Silken, the material, comes before the opinion, before sad and uncertain. The silken, sad, uncertain rustling. So I definitely think that Forsyth says that you'll sound like a maniac if you change any of these. And I I definitely don't think that that is true.
2: No, but I think the reason his post went viral a few years ago is that when we point out something about English that we all do naturally and describe it relatively well... It's fascinating. It's something that is unconscious, um, but it's the way that the language works.
0: And certainly the fact that we all automatically say the big red ball, we don't say the red big ball, (laughs) right? Like, it really is so interesting. No one ever taught any of us to say big red ball. No. We just know that that's what sounds right. And what sounds right is the essential true grammar of a language. It is what sounds right to the ear of the speakers of that
2: language. Exactly.
0: I feel like there are certain phrases that can go either way. Certainly, like, a big, beautiful house in the country, a beautiful, big house in the country. Mm-hmm. Those right. two can flip-flop either way, I think. But big old can't. Like a big old meanie. Right, right, right. right? You wouldn't say an old big meanie, <laughs> right? That
2: yeah. doesn't, that it doesn't, doesn't It means something different, right? Yeah. It doesn't work.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. If you look for long, strange trip, it does go back at least to the early 20th century in fairly consistent use, so well before the Grateful Dead would have used it, obviously. I think there is something about certain short adjectives that render them maybe a little more interchangeable. Mr. and Mrs. Dare have died leaving all their property to the girl who made the long, strange trip from England to America by express. To me, that doesn't sound at all maniacal.
0: A strange, long trip. Yeah, long, strange is definitely the idiomatic phrasing to my ear. But I've been influenced heavily, I suppose, and regrettably by the Grateful Dead.
2: It's a fascinating subject, and of course it leads me to think about those adjectives that come after nouns, which is that special category, that tiny little corner of English that is borrowed from French syntax. It's very unnatural, but it draws attention to the sort of officialness of a title like sergeant major or attorney general or poet laureate because we put the adjective after.
0: It's a very unusual characteristic for an English word.
2: As so often happens, we substitute an English or a native logic that flows into a vacuum. So a term like sergeant major or attorney general or surgeon general is maybe the best example. General is not a rank, it just means general, the most general, the most widespread or the most authoritative. It's not the rank of general, but with sergeant major, for example, it means the most important sergeant, major meaning important. The problem is, of course, it's also a rank in the military hierarchy, so it's a little bit confusing. It can sound like they're compounds, but they're not in the United States, the highest rank is simply general. And then below it, you have brigadier general, you have major general, lieutenant general. It's like the term professor. We often now say full professor to make it seem somehow more important or complete. But the hierarchy usually goes something like assistant professor, and then associate, and then simply professor. The simplest is actually the full title
0: editors, it can be the same way.
2: Oh, right. Editor, especially in British English, it's usually used to refer to the editor-in-chief. And again, that's post-nominal also. That's a modifier that's given after the noun. It's an interesting question, this idea of order as being so important to meaning.
0: It is, of course. The order that you put your words in when you speak or write a sentence is absolutely essential to communicating. It's hugely important.
2: Yeah. These orders that we're talking about that are so ingrained for people who grow up speaking English and are not natural for a learner of English, this really does show someone uncomfortable in English if the order of these terms is really far out of whack.
0: Peter, yes, I love how you talk about language as being a habit. And this is one of those habits, until it becomes habitual it can be a real struggle
2: yeah absolutely i really sympathize with the learners of english because there's so many exceptions
0: <laughs> i think that these orders as they are put forward are good general rules but they are not hard and fast they are not dicta sent on high from the language gods
1: <laughs> they're just hard <laughs>
0: for Ammon Shea and Peter Sokolowski, I'm Emily Brewster. Word Matters is produced by Merriam Webster in collaboration with New England Public Media.
2: Look
1: around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader new cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars.